What's up, Wellspring? Make some noise if you're excited to be here this morning. My forehead looks bigger and bigger every time they use that picture, but that's okay. Hey, good morning. I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. Um, I believe that Wellspring Church is here for a purpose. I know you guys have moved a lot, um, but praise God, uh, he's doing something amazing here, and I believe the best is yet to come for Wellspring. So whether this is your first week or your like 100th week, um, why don't you just give God some praise for what he's doing here. One thing you'll learn about me is I'm a big fan of movies and TV shows. And so I love watching TV. I love watching new movies. And I absolutely love funny commercials, okay? And so what I want us to do to start off this series, this sermon today is I want you to check out this commercial on the screen. Okay, so it's 3708. Okay. Uh, paper plastic? Plastic. That's the magic word. What? Green police. <laughs> you picked the wrong day to mess with the ecosystem, plastic boy. Did you install these bulbs? Yeah. Tragedy strikes tonight where a man has just been arrested for possession of an incandescent light bulb. What do you guys think about plastic bottles now? The water setting is at 105. Yeah. You got a TDI here? Clean diesel. You're good to go, sir. Good afternoon, officers. Back to those styrofoam cups you're drinking from? Yeah. Tell me, please step out of the car and put them on the hood. So the Green Police, right? It's like you can clap. I didn't make the video, but I'll take all the credit. Uh, the Green Police is a cool thing, right? It's important to take, to take uh, care of our environment, but some of the situations you can tell they're just not being very helpful at all, right? In fact, these well-meaning but overzealous police can cause more harm than good. I think it's the same thing with the good people I know. You see, they're pursuing a good thing, a life of personal holiness conforming to the law of God. They, they do the right thing, they say the right thing, but what they don't realize is how harmful uh, the pursuit to be perfect can be. That's not to say there's anything wrong with the law of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 makes it clear to obey God's law, and it makes life go a whole bunch smoother. And Psalm 19 says that God's law is perfect and right sweeter than honey. God's law is good. But one's well-meaning, overzealous pursuit of it can call, cause more harm than good. We can quickly live a life where we act a lot like Christians, but never actually know the God we claim to worship. Would you pray with me this morning as we open up God's word? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would just soften our hearts over these next couple of minutes, God. That you would reveal to us yourself through your word. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in this place in such a way where we leave here changed forever. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship together. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Come on, if you love Jesus and you're excited to be here, put your hands together and give him a shout of praise this morning. So what are you supposed to do if to try not as hard as you can to live the obedience to God's law? What are you supposed to do to find a life of personal holiness which you know is good for you? What are you supposed to do to enjoy the life God has called you to live without doing more harm than good? 
Well, if you have your Bibles this morning or you can follow along on the screen, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. As Graham said during announcements, we're continuing the series called Quenched. And in this series, we'll be teaching through the book of Galatians. Galatians um, is going to show us that we can find freedom that quenches the thirst of our souls. Many of us in this room, you might be even coming in here this morning, and you feel as if your heart or your soul is thirsty. You're coming in and you're hungry, not because you need lunch, but because there's something inside of you that's missing. The beauty about the Bible is it's not just a book of stories. It's not just a book of rules. It's not just a book of things that happened years and years and years ago. It is the substance that fulfills the quench that our soul needs. You see, the Bible says that eternity was written on your hearts. And what that means is that each and every single one of us was born with a desire for God, even if we don't believe he exists. You see, just like an artist would sign a painting, God signs you. And each and every moment of our lives, whether we go through highs and lows, our life is beckoning to know our Creator. And so that's the aspect that we're looking at today's verse. You can follow along with me on the screens. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, To give a human example, brothers, even when a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. I want to share with you that God's promises cannot be annulled or amended. It's not like you sign a contract with God and then six months later later you receive a notice in the mail that something has been added to what you've signed. The beauty about God is that once you're in, you're in. God does not change. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. I'm thankful today that the God I worship is consistent even though many times I'm inconsistent. The next verse says, Galatians 3, 16 through 18, says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make a promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law... It no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham as a promise. Your inheritance in Christ, and we're going to talk about with that a little bit this morning, comes through a promise, not through a law. And within that lies the secret to living the life God wants you to live without the struggle. If you want to live a life as God has intended it, then depend on God's promise. Not his law. You see, live your life not by keeping the rules to earn God's favor. So many people, they come to church and they think that they have to dress the right way, act the right way, talk the right way. So many people I know in my life won't step foot in a church because they, quote, don't have their life all together. I want to remind you something this morning, that Wellspring Church is a place for people who don't have it all together. We're people that are figuring it out. We're thankful that we have a God who has it all together. And so if that's you this morning, and maybe you walk in and you're like, well, I'm not like these people. These people are saying good morning, and I'm blessed, and I didn't even have my Wawa coffee yet, and I'm angry. That's okay. Because, listen, God's promise for you is not dependent on what you do. It's dependent on what he's done. And I almost took out this table. 
Let your obedience come to God, not in order to be blessed, but in realization that God has already blessed you. You see, you walk in here and you have people at the doors greeting you. You see people on stage using their gifts and talents. Wasn't the worship team amazing this morning? Heidi led for the first time and she killed it. Incredible. But people don't serve God so that God will love them more. People serve God because they realize that God loves them more than they deserve. You see, that's the beauty of the gospel. We don't have to work to obtain God's love. God's love is so much that we'll do anything to serve him. God blesses the believer without condition. Listen, there's nothing you have to do to earn his favor. So if you're going to enjoy the life that's called you to live, then you must simply have to depend on God's unconditional promise. See, that's what Abraham did in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, God promised Abraham many descendants and a lot of land. But Abraham wanted a sure sign that God would keep his promise, so God gave him one. God entered into a blood covenant with Abraham, the strongest kind of covenant there is. Now, in Abraham's day, if, when two people wanted to confirm on an agreement they had, they had made, they shed the blood of an animal so that they would take a cow or they would take a goat or they would take a ram, and they would cut the, the animal down the center. And they would set the two sides of the animals on opposite sides of each other with a space in the middle. And there they would walk together between the animal halves. In essence, they were saying to each other, may the same thing happen to me if I fail to keep my half of the agreement. You see, in Genesis, 5, in Genesis 15, God instructed Abraham to prepare a cow, a goat, and a ram. Not just one animal, but three. You see, God wanted Abraham to know that his promise was absolutely certain. But the only problem is, when Abraham was doing this, he fell asleep. In Genesis 15, we read that it says, After dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. You see, God himself was walking between the halves of the animals without Abraham. Making this a unilateral agreement. In other words, listen to this, God agreed to bless Abraham without any conditions on Abraham's part. We've got to understand that. You see, for many, that, that way of sacrificial agreement meant that we would walk together. And if you didn't hold up your end of the bargain, I was out. If, you didn't, if I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, you were out. But God says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain whether you're consistent with me or not. Man, that is a beautiful thing. All Abraham had to do was accept it by faith, and that's all you need to do as well. It's interesting that when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, that the temple of the curtain split in two, and people were able to walk right in to the presence of God. You see, I think a lot of times we think that in order to stay Christian, in order to stay in our faith, we have to keep up our end of the bargain. God says when you don't have the strength, I'm going to give it to you. When you don't have the energy, I'm going to give it to you. When you don't have the power, I'm going to give it to you. So it's not about us meeting God halfway. It's about that God met us all the way over here because we couldn't make it on our own. And that is the beauty of why we celebrate. That is why we have Wellspring Church. That is why we believe that God has the best to come for Tom's River and beyond because we see our relationship with God not as something that we have to keep up and maintain so that he loves us more, but that he loves us so much he'll never stop chasing after us. 
See, not only do we have to depend on his unconditional promise, we must depend on his unchanging promise. You see, God will never go back on his word. He will never set aside his promise, even if we fail to keep his law. Let's look at verse 17 again. It says, the law, which came 430 years afterwards, that's 430 years after God has made his promise to Abraham, that law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. The law, with its conditional blessings, does not in any way cancel out or change the promise with its unconditional blessings. You see, God will never go back on his word. When my wife and I were married, we got a letter in the mail that had, a, the, in big, bold font, congratulations, you've won. And as a newlywed, broke couple that just graduated college, anything that came in the mail, we were excited to open, especially when it said, congratulations, you won. And when we happened is we opened up the envelope, and in the envelope, it says that you have won one of three prizes. To find out what you've won, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to this address, and we will let you know. And the three prizes was a brand-new home entertainment center, which when you have Netflix and an iPhone, I don't really know what else you need. An all-expense-paid trip for two to Hawaii or $5,000 cash. Now, I probably could have used the money, but I really was praying, God, if you would just give me this trip to Hawaii, I will serve you. I'm kidding. I will do whatever it takes. You know, and I realized that most of these things are scams, but I said, you know what, I'm going to send a, What's going to hurt if I send him a self-addressed stamped envelope? So I took a self-addressed stamped envelope. I stamped it. I put it in. I mailed it. And a couple of weeks later, we got a notice in the mail, this big brochure, this big packet that says, congratulations, aloha, you're going to Hawaii. So I open it up. I tear it open. We're all excited. It's a great day. And it said that you're going to an all-expense-paid trip to, two for, to Hawaii. There's only one catch. For your free trip, all we have to do is send enough money to pay for round-trip airfare to Hawaii, plus $15 for processing. So much for the all-expense-paid trip, right? See, what they didn't tell us is that we would be paying the expenses. Their promised blessing had a catch. It had a condition to it. See, but with God, it's different. There's no catch. There's no added conditions. God doesn't promise us an all-expense trade pay trip to heaven and then turn to us and say, oh, by the way, make sure you go to church every week. Make sure you tithe 10%. Make sure you only listen to Christian radio. Make sure you dress the right way. Make sure you read your Bible three times a day. Make sure you face a certain direction when you pray. You see, God doesn't give us this all-expense paid trip to heaven and then say, oh, by the way, don't forget about these things. You see, God is different than that. God blesses you up front before you do anything to earn those things. Ephesians 1 says that God has blessed us past tense. So in other words, it's already done. So many, so many people pray, God, would you bless me today? God has already blessed you. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing of the heavenly places, that's Ephesians 1.3. The moment you come to faith in Christ, God dumps the whole load of heavenly blessings on you. Now, you live your life not trying to earn those blessings, but in the joy and delight of having already received them, knowing that you could never lose them. Nothing you say or do could ever make him love you less, and nothing you do or say could ever make him love you more. So if you want to enjoy the life God has intended it, then live it in light of God's unconditional love. Depend on God's promise. Don't depend on the law. Don't try living to earn God's favor. 
Don't try thinking you have to be good in order to be blessed. That, that's the way of the law. In Deuteronomy 28, when they receive the law, it says, Obey and be blessed, disobey and be cursed. The problem is nobody could obey. Therefore, nobody could be blessed. So don't depend on the law, which can only show you how bad you are. Galatians 3.19 says, Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. You see, the law was added to show us how badly we truly needed a Savior. The law was there to show people how bad they really needed Jesus. Paul said in Romans 7, 7, it would be, I, I would have not known what sin was except through the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. You see, the law is like a mirror. It reveals the dirt, but listen, it doesn't wash your face. You see, the law shows you all the things you need to change, but in its own power, it's unable to change anything. During grade school, a guy named John Corcoran never learned how to read or write. But he caused a lot of trouble and somehow kept getting promoted to the next grade. He, got, he went to high school and mastered his new skills. He said, I started cheating by turning in other people's papers. I dated the valedictorian and ran around with college prep kids. I couldn't read words, but I could read the system and I could read people. He received an athletic scholarship to Texas Western College and cheated his way through there as well, getting a degree in education without knowing how to read or write. Somehow he got, this is a true story, somehow he got a job as a teacher and for the next seven year, 17 years taught high school without knowing how to read or write. He says, what I did was I created an oral and visual environment. There wasn't the written word in there, and I always had two or three teacher assistants in each class to do board work or to read the bulletin. Finally, he left teaching and became a real estate developer, and later in life he learned to read and write and became an advocate for better educational systems. See, those who live by the law are a lot like John Corcoran. They know they fall, fall short of the standard, so they fake it in order to make it. See, we walk into church and we recognize that I fall way short of God's standard for my life. And so I've got two options. I could admit that and surrender to him as Lord and Savior, or I could fake it till I make it. I can raise my hands during worship. I can pray the prayers. I can show up at the CKAs and hand out water and, and give people, you know, help clean bathrooms and do all these things. I can do all the acts. But see, just like that mirror, the law shows the dirt, but it doesn't clean you up. And just like John did in this story, you fake it till you make it. See, the sad thing is many people live their entire lives trying to persuade themselves, others, and God that they are good people. But deep down, they know it's not true. You see, the law has revealed their sin, and they don't know what to do with it, so they pretend that there's no sin in order to be accepted. It's a terrible way to live. But the good news is this morning, guys, is that you don't have to live that way. You see, God loves you and has blessed you unconditionally, so you can freely admit your sins without fear of losing his blessing. Live by promise. Don't live by the law. 
Don't depend on a law which can only show you how bad we are. And don't depend on a law which should not come from directly from God himself. If you read Galatians 3.19, it says it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. You see, God gave the law to angels who gave it to Moses, who gave it to the people. It came through mediators. A mom named Esther tells a story about the one time she's sitting at dinner with her two-year-old who was ignoring to eat her food. I'm sure many parents in the room have dealt with this before. And so Esther says to her daughter, Carrie, she goes, Carrie, why are you not eating? And she goes, I can't eat. God told me not to. And her mother responded, well, God wouldn't tell you not to eat your dinner. And she looks up to this, that Carrie looks up to the ceiling and says, maybe it was Moses. You see, somehow the law coming through a stammering, stuttering prophet like Moses doesn't carry as much weight as if it would, as it came directly from God. But listen, Galatians 3.20 says, now an intermediary applies more than one, but God is one. You see, the law required a commitment from both sides to make it work. A commitment from God and a commitment from people. We know that God never fails to keep his part of, of the deal, but what about us? If we're honest, we know that we've already failed to keep our part of the deal. We know that we've already broken the law. Therefore, the law cannot make us good. Not because the law is not good, but because we're not good. Galatians 3.21 says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. The law said, obey and live, disobey and die. Well, since we all have disobeyed, our sentence is death. The law, therefore, is unable to give you life. Doing the right things, doing kind things for others, acting the right way, showing up to the right places without Jesus inside of you does nothing for your life. The law puts us all on death row. Galatians 3.22 says, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Listen to this. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The law puts us all on death row. It puts us all in prison so we might be driven to the promise of life in Christ. The law makes us recognize that in our own strength, we can't do this thing called life. So many of us in this room, this might be your first time attending church and you're already over 50 years old. And you've gone through life and you've attempted and tried over and over again to get a better life, to do better for yourself, to do better for your family, to do works even so that God would bless you or give more things to you. Can I share something with you this morning? That the law condemns you to death, but Jesus sets you free from the law because when Jesus looks at the law, he fulfills it perfectly. When King David committed adultery in the Old Testament with Bathsheba, he murdered her husband to cover up his sin. The law commanded him to die. There were no sacrifices to cover willful, willful sin under the law. There was only the death penalty. What could David do? The only thing he could do was throw himself on the mercy and promise of God. The only thing he could do was depend on God's promise, 
when he had broken God's law. And that's what he did. He relied on God's promise, and he found life. You see, God gave us the law not to give us a better life, but to point us to the way, to the promise of life in Christ. So depend on Christ, who can give you the life you truly want to live. Don't depend on the law, which can't do much except condemn you. We will always measure up short. We will always come short of what God desires for us. When we look at the law, we will always fail that test. Back in 1927, a director named Cecil DeMille casted H.B. Warner as Jesus in the famous silent film, King of Kings. This is one of the first movies about Jesus that was put out there almost 100 years ago. Warner, who played Jesus, was kept on a short leash during the filming of the movie. Cecil was concerned that any behavior by the lead actor deemed inconsistent with the image of Jesus would result in negative publicity for the film. And so DeMille enforced strict measures that would ensure that Warner kept up a good Jesus image when he was off the set and when he was on the set. Both Warner and his co-star Dorothy Cumming, who played Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to sign agreements that barred them from f- for five years from appearing in films that might compromise their holy screen images. During the filming, Warner was driven to the set with blinds drawn. He wore a black veil as he was delivered to the set. DeMille separated Warner from the other cast members, even forcing him to eat alone every day. Warner couldn't play cards, he couldn't go to sporting events, he couldn't go to the movies, and he couldn't ride in a convertible or go swimming. Apparently Jesus would have done none of those things according to the, I think all cars back, all donkeys were convertibles back in the, unfortunately, though, listen, the regimen of rules and regulations, it didn't make Warner more holy. It didn't even make him more Christ-like. Instead, all the pressure of the rules only drove him over the edge, and during the production of King of Kings, Warner, who was playing Jesus, had a relapse into his alcohol addiction. Because, listen, rules, no matter how restrictive you make them, have no power to restrain evil. They have no power to restrain sin. But on the other hand, the promise of life in Christ has the power to transform you from the inside out. So if you want to enjoy the life that God has called you to live, depend on God's promise, not his law. Depend on Christ to inspire the power of his Holy Spirit within. Don't depend on the law whose restraining power was never enough to keep you from sinning. I think many of us in this room this morning have gone through our lives trying to appease God. Trying to do more good things so that God would bless us. Trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, go the right places so that God would give us more. God desires to lavish his unending blessings on you if you're willing to admit that you and your own strength are not enough. As I said earlier, Jesus is the one who's with you when you can't stand on your own. Maybe you're in this room this morning and this past week you got a letter in the mail saying that your house was going to go into foreclosure. 
You say, well, God, I've been going to church. I've been giving the money to church. And yet you're not blessing me. God, I've been doing all the right things. And now, God, I feel so alone. Or maybe this week you found out that your spouse and and you and your spouse are getting a divorce. And it came out of left field and you have no idea what to do. And you've never thought this would ever be you. And you're at a point in your life where you feel so alone. Or maybe you're in a season in your life when things are going great. And everything's working out. Kids are healthy. The marriage is good. The house is okay. And everything on the outside looks great. On the inside, you're just missing something. You feel empty. You feel lost. You see, the law will never fulfill the thirst of your soul. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. The grace of God, the truth of the gospel, is the only thing that can set us free. It's the only thing that our heart longs for. And so God's promise, depend on that. Don't depend on the law. We can't measure up of Jesus is that he came for us. He lived the perfect life in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and the law. He died on the cross and he said when he died died on the cross, that was so that he would take our death penalty that the law condemns us to and he'll pay it for us. He says, I'll take their place. I'll be their substitutionary atonement for their sins. I'll be the one who takes the death penalty that Brian deserved, that we deserved. And all he asks in response is for us to trust him. Church, would you stand with me as we pray real quick? And then we're going to continue this time of worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you, God, that with you all things are possible. Lord, we pray right now, God, that as we continue this time of worship, that uh, we would just glorify you in it. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to be people under the law, that we can be people under grace. And that grace, oh grace, God, it sets us free. So we praise you, Jesus. Let Let the song we sing be a praise to you, God. Let us sing out loud, God, that we will praise you regardless of what our life is going through. That no matter what is going on, God, God, we will praise you because you have already blessed us. Come on, if you're thankful for God's grace, would you say amen and put your hands together for him? Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.